YouTube also right now. So uh, I want to welcome everybody watching us on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome to the After History Network show. It is Sunday, uh, June 12th, 2022, and we are live. Call the numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600. Welcome to the After History Network show right here on 19 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. Um, as I was saying, we have a jam-packed show today. We're going to recap the January 6th insurrection, the January 6th uh, committee hearings, congressional hearings that took place uh, on Thursday. This was the first of many hearings. This was in prime time. It was seen by approximately 20 million people tuned in to it as well. The ratings of MSNBC beat the ratings of Fox News also. We discussed this on Roland Martin Unfiltered when I was on on Friday, so I'm going to share a couple of segments uh, with you from Roland Martin Unfiltered so you can hear what happened. Um, then also the officer um, who uh, shot Patrick Leoa, he's been brought up on second-degree murder charges in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, so we'll give you some information on that also. Uh, we know that, uh, remember last Sunday I talked about the documentary um, heavy is the crown from director Amadeus Christ dealing with the African origins of the world's religions. And it features Prof uh, Professor Jane Small, Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene, who are two of my teachers, and uh, uh, Tony Browder. Amadeus Christ is going to be on the show today. And we'll talk about the screening taking place Wednesday, June 15th at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. Okay. So we'll give you some information on that. Nandy's Knowledge Cafe in Highland Park, Michigan. I'll be there also. Um, Last Sunday, we talked about the uh, California's reparations task force, and we talked about the 500-page uh, report that they released uh, dealing with the uh, how slavery and racism have negatively impacted African Americans uh, for the past 150 years. Okay, it's an extensive uh, report. We talked about it uh, for a good part of uh, last Sunday's show. Okay, so if you miss uh, if you miss that show, uh, you can go back and watch it. So, uh, California calls for comprehensive reparations for Black Americans. Uh, California's unprecedented reparations report details 150 years of anti-Black harm. So you remember we talked about that on last Sunday's show. Okay, well. I was doing some more research and there was a good article from uh, rollingstone.com. Let's see. Now this one here is from um uh this one here is from the Washington Post. This is one article we talked about last Sunday. Okay, our Sunday June 5th show. California calls for comprehensive reparations for Black Americans. The the interim report of the California Reparations Task Force uh, comes as task members remain split on what reparations should look like. All right. This is from this article from June 1st, 20, uh, June 1st, 2022. And, uh, the, uh, California's first in the nation task force on reparations for black Americans said it has documented, uh, 170 years systemic discrimination by the state of California and demanded comprehensive reparations demand comprehensive reparations for those harmed by that history of government sanctioned oppression comprehensive reparations for those harmed by that history of government sanctioned uh, uh, oppression and a 500 page report released on wednesday june 1st 
a legislatively mandated task force argues that the present day wealth gap, the present day wealth gap between white Americans in California and the rest of the country is the direct result of slavery, Jim Crow laws, redlining, and other government policies that locked African-Americans into failing schools and over communities. Okay, so you remember we talked about this on our uh, last Sunday, our Sunday, June 5th show. Okay, so there was a uh, uh, article I came across that dealt with a chapter of this report, and it's from Rolling Stone, uh, Rolling Stone magazine. I posted it on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. Uh, California Reparations Task Force uh, takes on California Reparations Task Force takes on uh, takes on the historic theft of black art and culture. Takes on the historic theft of black art and culture. Now we know that June is uh, Black Music Month. Okay, and this is something really good to talk about. Uh, it talk about any time, but especially during the month of June, because June is Black Music Month. Um, so we're going to talk about this on today's show also. California's California's Reparations Task Force takes on the historic theft. Uh, takes, if I can, hopefully I can close these ads out. Takes on historic theft of Black art and culture. Nearly 600-page interim reports is the most extensive government issued report on the African-American community since 1968, according to the task force chair, who's uh, Camila Moore, okay? African-American female, brilliant sister. The California Reparations Task Force has issued first interim, uh, its first interim report, a nearly 600 page document that spins a full chapter focusing on the longstanding inequities surrounding the history of arts and entertainment in the United States. They have a full chapter in their report. They have a full chapter on the theft of African-American art and culture, okay? The 600-page document spans a full chapter focusing on the longstanding inequities surrounding the history of arts and entertainment in the United States. Uh, Camila Moore, who's the chairwoman of the committee and an, and an attorney, she's been on Roland Martin Unfiltered and other shows. She said, quote, throughout American history, the federal government historically deprived African-Americans, historically deprived African-Americans, uh, African-American artists and innovators of intellectual property rights, copyright protections and patent protections resulting resulting in intellectual and cultural theft and exploitation, resulting in intellectual and cultural theft and exploitation, states the report, which according to Task Force uh, uh, Chair uh, Camila Moore, is the most extensive government-issued report on the African-American community since the mission in 1968. So we'll talk some about this uh, on today's show. They show uh, a culture appropriator here, uh, Elvis Presley, the original song creators whose work Elvis Presley appropriated, the California 
reparations task force report states weren't they were not even paid for the use of their music okay so we'll continue on the other side of the break listen to the african history network show right here on 9 10 a.m superstation the future radio also visit our new website the african history network.com the african history network.com it's a new website uh been spending the past couple of days past three days building and it's user friendly uh, you can order right from your smartphone, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. IDO Network International, in collaboration with STL Black Woman, Gaka, and ACTA, present the Royal Pilgrimage to the Americas, August 24th through the 28th. The African kings and queens are coming to you for business, networking, and sharing of Pan-African ideals. The venue will be the illustrious En Garde Arts Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. A royal cultural experience and exhibitions, trade and investment opportunities in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas. A royal Pan-African summit hosting keynote speakers and a red carpet banquet. Come and witness our African royal coronation ceremony. Register at www.idonetwork.org to book your ticket to wine and dine with African royalty. Vendor opportunities available. Get face-to-face -face with the royals who own the land and resources for business. Contact DACA for deal room information at 602-730-4572. Remember, different topics here on the African History Network show will be recurring events of history and much, much more. We're going to give you an update on what's going on. This is about self-preservation. We have to extinguish the fire of white supremacy. See, let's just have consequences. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future of radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, June 12th, 2022, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a quick question or comment. All right, now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do it, teach what it doesn't know. So we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, okay? And um, we have information there. We'll give you some more information about the new website also. All right, uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday, uh, June 9th, the uh, January 6th committee met. The, they had the uh, first primetime hearing. Uh, we're going to go to this clip here in just a second. There's a good article from the Washington Post, six takeaways from the January 6th committee's prime, uh, first primetime hearing, six takeaways from the January 6th committee's first primetime hearing. 
and they laid out uh, um, Representative Liz Cheney outlined a seven point plan by Trump to uh, overthrow the government and to stay in office. Each one of the hearings is going to focus in on one of those seven points. The committee holds Trump responsible for the attack. Here's six takeaways. The committee holds Trump for the attack. Um, also, number two, how the committee, uh, it, it breaks down how the committee plans to tell the story. They had a documentarian, uh, Nick uh, Quested, who was embedded with the Proud Boys, who did a documentary. Uh, he was interviewing the Proud Boys and doing a documentary uh, of January 6th, but he put together a film to document exactly what happened. They showed this during the January 6th uh, hearing. Uh, number three, uh, a sharp attack on Trump's Republican defenders because people around Trump knew that uh, he was lying also. Okay, they knew the election was not stolen. Top Republican lawmakers, even Mike Pence, whose life was threatened by, by the attackers, have spent the year and a half since the attack downplaying what happened. It's now a badge of honor in some circles to have been in D.C. protesting the election results or to be labeled an insurrectionist. But uh, they revealed how people uh, in the Trump administration who testified uh, uh, before the January 6th committee, uh, they knew that the big lie was a lie. Also, they knew that Trump lost and the election was not stolen. Committee Chairman Benny G. Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi, he's from Bolton, Mississippi. He said it's a city of uh, about 521 people. He compared those who have justified what happened to uh, to the January, in January 6th insurrection. He compared those to justify who justified the January 6th insurrection to those who defended slavery and the Civil War. He said, quote, I'm from a part of the country where people justified the actions of slavery the Ku Klux Klan and lynching. Uh, Representative Thompson said in his opening remarks, his Southern drawl evident, he said, I'm reminded of that dark history as I hear voices today try to justify the actions of the insurrectionists. They were domestic terrorists during the Civil War and they are domestic terrorists today. Uh, and then you have uh, number four, this is extremely important because this goes back to, to the Ku Klux Klan and the white shirts and the uh, the what the White League and the red shirts and the Knights of the White Camellia. These these domestic terrorist organizations during Reconstruction, okay, who uh, inflicted political violence on African Americans and and white Republicans, things like this, uh, that uh, brought an end to Reconstruction. How Trump influenced the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. How Trump influenced the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. If the attack was not spontaneous, as the committee says it was not, if the attack wasn't spontaneous, as the committee says it was not what led to it, the committee alleges the right-wing extremist group uh, groups were motivated by Trump himself. The committee spent a large chunk of Thursday's hearing introducing Americans to two of these groups, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, and making the case for how Trump's statements and tweets influenced their actions and eventually their violence, influenced their actions and eventually their violence. As I did, as I talked about in the broadcast earlier today, and as we talked about in my online class today, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, we see a direct correlation between the violence from the January 6th insurrection and the political violence by white supremacists 
um, during Reconstruction, 1865 to 1877. The committee presented evidence that membership of the Proud Boys tripled after Donald Trump praised the group in a presidential debate with, with Joe Biden uh, toward the end of the election campaign. When, when Donald Trump said, stand back and stand by to the Proud Boys, okay? Uh, the hearing also featured footage of rioters reading aloud over a bullhorn, a tweet that Donald Trump sent attacking uh, Vice President Mike Pence for his lack of courage. And then, and when Trump tweeted ahead of January 6th, quote, be there, will be wild, end quote, the committee said that these extremist groups took it as a call to arms. Um, filmmaker Nick Quested, who embedded, who was embedded with the Proud Boy, testified that some group members went to the U.S. Capitol early that early that morning, others left to stop the steel rally, which was at the White House on the ellipse to march to the uh, U.S. Capitol before Trump's speech even began. They did not seem to be very interested in hearing Trump speak, uh, which Nick Quested, documentarian Nick Quested said confused him at the time. But he described the group's atmosphere as, quote unquote, much darker than usual, much darker than usual. OK, the number five. Uh, um, okay, they talk about the production value uh, of night one, the production value of night one. Uh, through, throughout June, the committee, June of 2022, the, the committee has to weave together thousands of hours of testimony, tens of thousands of documents. So they reviewed uh, 140,000 documents. Uh, they reviewed 140,000 documents and they've interviewed over 1,000 uh, people, okay, for the, the, the hearing. I mean, for the the, the uh, January 6th committee, that this, this is the work that they've been doing for the past 11, month, 11 months, interviewed over a thousand people and reviewed over 140,000 documents. And then uh, lastly, number six, the committee says more is to come, more is to more is to come. They spent 11 months investigating, but they're not done. Representative Liz Cheney, who's the co-chair, she's a Republican, the co-chair from uh, Oklahoma, she reminded the American public our investigation is still ongoing. Our investigation is still ongoing. So what we uh, so what we make public here will not be the complete set of information we will ultimately disclose. And she added that uh, the Justice Department's uh, criminal investigations uh, are ongoing, specifically mentioning that investigators are de-encrypting messages from those involved in the attack or in election conspiracy. All right, I wanna go uh, quickly here to this clip here from uh, NBC Nightly News, what happened uh, on uh, Thursday, June 9th. Thank you. Tonight's other top story, new reaction tonight from former President Trump and President Biden. After last night's primetime hearing by the January 6th committee, which accused Mr. Trump of leading an attempted coup, Garrett Hake is at the Capitol. In a made-for-television primetime production, the January 6th committee laid out their case that the deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol was no spontaneous riot, but the culmination of a months-long attempted coup with one man to blame. Donald Trump was at the center of this conspiracy, and ultimately, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, spurred a mob of domestic enemies of the Constitution to march down the Capitol and subvert American democracy. 
And tonight, former President Trump responding after the committee played new video from depositions by his attorney general and other advisors, saying they told him he had lost. I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bull****. You can't live in a world where where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election that there was fraud in the election. Barr's argument swaying Ivanka Trump. It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr, um, so I accepted what he said was saying. But not the former president, who on social media today attacked his former attorney general as a coward and said his daughter had, quote, long since checked out. When the election results, President Biden speaking out, also presenting violent new video of the attack never before seen, moving lawmakers and Capitol Police officers present to see Years. Officer Carolyn Edwards, who suffered a traumatic break, the sheer scope of the day's violence. All right, we're coming up uh, on a break here. When we come back from the break, we'll be joined by uh, Director Amadeus Christ, director of the um, documentary Heavy is the Crown, which is, which is in the Out of Darkness series. It deals with the um, African origins of the major world religions. And there's a screening coming up of the documentary Wednesday, June 15, 7 p.m. at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe in Highland Park, Michigan. We'll give you more information about that. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey the Business of Beings was released in December 2021 and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, June 12th, 2022, and we are live. All right, on the line, we're joined by uh, Director Amadeus Christ. We've had him on the show before. He's the director of the uh, documentary Out of Darkness and his new documentary, um, Heavy is the Crown, 
is in that series and it deals with the African origins of the uh, major world religions. So we want to welcome back to the African History Network show, uh, Director Amadeus Christ. Hotel brother, how you doing tonight? Hotel, brother. Uh, Hotel, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm all right, man. Just busy, man. Doing a whole lot, man. Teaching online history classes. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hectic, brother. But it's good to uh, hear you again. We talked uh, about three or four weeks ago. But it's good to uh, have you on the yeah. show again. So there's a um, screening coming up uh, Wednesday, uh, June 15th, 7 p.m. at Nanny's Knowledge Cafe. But give uh, give people a uh, synopsis of uh, the new documentary, Heavy is the Crown. Ooh, okay, a synopsis. So in this part of the film, uh, it, Heavy is the Crown is, is, a, is a project, not just one film. Okay. So it's a, it's a living, right. breathing, organic, ongoing project that's going to have, you know, films, um, and a and a and a lot of other ancillary products okay. uh, and surprises. I right? just can't give away everything, but but in this in this film, what we do is we deal with the African origins of what we're calling today religion, right? Western religion, right? So we focus on the concept of mythology. And delve into the original mythologies, the original, as Kaaba would frame it, the original mythological stories. Right. That kind of birth, um, what we would call organized religion today, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people have a hard time uh, with the with the concept of myth. And religion, because we are programmed to believe, you know, to believe whatever spiritual path or whatever religion that we belong to or, or whatever religious club we choose to associate with, we just tend to kind of take everything literally and believe everything as actual fact. Right. When, uh, for instance, the Bible itself is, is made of, of various allegories and Jesus Christ himself taught in parables, which, which right. are... Right, you know, 80, stories that are used to illustrate truths. Yeah, eighty percent of the Bible is written in allegory, hyperbole, uh, metaphors, and yeah. you know things like that. Yeah, in parables. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Right, right. So w- what we do is we show you the original African, the first recorded uh, mythology that that birthed uh, what we uh, again are deeming, you know, like the modern drama. Right, right. Uh, religious, uh, just the story itself, the concept, you know, even the comic book or the film strip or, or, or a, a film, these are the first stories that were ever told. And uh, um, for the most part, they kind of originate with agriculture and agricultural science. Right, right. And, and, know, and, and uh, let me do this concept quickly. having to do with nature and planting and right. harvesting and, you right. know, life, death, resurrection, rebirth, right. um, so along let, those lines. So let me do this on my day. It's right quick. And, that, and I want you to continue. I want to give my quick disclaimer. Now, we may say some things that are outside the circumference of your own awareness. Just because you disagree with them or don't like them or never heard them before does not mean that they are not true. It just means you have to do some research to understand what we're talking about. Okay, so just because you know everything that you know about what you know does not mean you know everything 
there is to know about what you know. There's still things that exist outside the circumference of your own awareness. Okay, so you're, you're referring to the Osarian drama, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so go ahead and talk about yeah. that briefly, and then uh, we want to talk about the screening taking place on uh, Wednesday, June 15th at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. Sure. Um, so the Atharian drama is essentially the story of a family. It's the story of um, the father, mm-hmm. whose name is Asar. Right. Uh, people know him as Osiris, the Greek name Osiris. His wife, uh, Isis, uh, that's our Greek name. Her African name is uh, Offset. Correct. And what happens is Osiris's uh, brother, whose name is Set, which we would later derive the name Satan or Shaitan. The evil brother essentially is jealous of Asar, and he basically murders him. He cuts his body into 14 pieces and scatters them throughout the land. Um, And in the story, uh, I uh, set his wife, uh, when she discovers this, she gathers his body. She gathers uh, pretty much all of the pieces except one, which is his phallus symbol, right. his phallus. Um, and she essentially reconstructs his body. Um, she wraps the body in bandages, anoints it with oil. Um, and in that process, she becomes uh, impregnated by the spirit of Asar, the spirit of her dead husband. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, she gives birth uh, to a child, and the child, uh, the son, his name is Heru, or what we uh, know in the Greek as Horus. Right. And essentially, the son, she raises the in captivity, and the son grows up, and he does battle with his evil uncle, Set, who murdered his father, and he avenges the death of his father. Exactly. And in doing so, in defeating his evil uncle, he transforms into a falcon, and Heru becomes the king or the ruler of the physical world. And his father is re- resurrected, uh, and he becomes the lord of judgment or the lord of the underworld. Right, the, the judgment scene. Uh, so it's the, the, story the judgment of, scene. Right, in the judgment scene, right, correct. Right, exactly. So it's just the story of life, death, resurrection. It's the first, what we would call, story of the immaculate conception. Mm-hmm. Um, the story of, the, of a virgin birth, um, and this goes back to uh, recorded about 2,400. It's much, much older story than this, but the earliest records we have are in the Pyramid text, right. and they're already talking about it in 2,400 B.C., so that's about you know 2,400 years before before Christ. Right. Um, right. Exactly. And, and so, Christ, so in, and, and Christ means actually, anointed. Christ is a title, not a person. And Christ refers to anointed. And we know that uh, right. we know that uh, when you read like Christianity before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson or the world's crucified saviors by Kersey Graves, we know there have been other people who've had the title of Christ as well. Um, exactly. So. Exactly. So let me just say this, and I want you to give it. So in the film, we essentially we reenact that that mm-hmm. drama, right, with mm-hmm. actors, and, you know, we have a pretty good, they did a pretty good job, you know, we, we filmed <laughs> it at a, a few locations, you know, top featured locations, but we really went all out, it's a it's a top production, you know, um, we, we just released a trailer yesterday, a new trailer yesterday, so there's two trailers up, 
outofdarknessfilm.com. You can you guys can go check out the trailers. Okay. Um, lots of great feedback so far. Lots of great feedback. Yeah, well, so people are really loving it. Well, I've seen some of it, and it's fantastic. And uh, when I was at the Hot P conference here in Detroit in uh, yeah. April 30th and May 1st with uh, Professor James Small, he raves about it as well. I talked to Professor Small about it. Um, we're coming up here on a break in four minutes. Give people uh, the details of the screening that's taking place on Wednesday, June 15th at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. Yeah, uh, we did a screening of Out of Darkness at 90s to kind of kick off the franchise. So it's only right that we return right. to 90s Knowledge Cafe. Um, 90s, an excellent, excellent host. Um, we're going to have a wonderful time. Uh, I think you have the, the flyer posted on your website. Um, um, I, I'm looking for the flyer. Cafe. Yeah, what, 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 what's, uh, you know, what Nandy sent, uh, somebody sent it to me. I think it was Nandy. I've got to go through. Hold on. Let me see. I was looking for it. Uh, I think Nandy sent it to me. The new one. Let's see here. Okay. Yeah. Out of darkness. And we'll, we'll get this up on our new website, the African history network.com. Cause I built a new website the past couple of days, the African history network.com. Um, June 15th. So it's a $15 donation. It includes popcorn and lemonade. Uh, Nandy's Knowledge Cafe is located at 71 Oakman, uh, uh, was it Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan, 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan. For more information, call 313-865-1288, 313-865-1288 for more information as well. So let people know what's going to take place. I'll, I'll be there also. Let people know what's going to take place. Okay. Yeah, we're just we're, we're going to show you know a, a, a decent part of the film and have a nice Q and A. You guys will get to talk to me. I fly in in the morning. You know, I haven't been to Detroit. You know, that's my second home. I haven't been home to my second home in a while, so I get to fly in in the morning and uh, politic and connect with the people. And right, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a nice we'll have a nice family discussion. A nice <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Without the emotion, right? Right. So can people, we have people of different uh, levels of understanding of history in, in the African-American mm-hmm. community, people, different religion, uh, different religions. Can can people, with uh, they don't need a PhD in Africana studies to be able to come to this, do they? I mean, <laughs> people <laughs> on all different levels can come, right? Brother Imhotep, let me tell you something. This film is... is really made for children okay it's really made for children um you know not, not to say that in a, in a, in a condescending way but it the the, the the information is really heavy and complex but okay it's presented in a way that's easily digestible easily understandable um everything is referenced Okay. Of course, you know, you're going to have to, you know, oh. everybody, they're, they're going to have to purchase the film. Right. Okay, do this. Stand by. We're coming up on a break. Uh, Amadeus, we're coming yeah. up on a break. We're going to hold you over on the break over the break for a few minutes and continue this discussion. Stand by. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. I'm speaking with director Amadeus Christ, director of the new documentary, Heavy is the Crown. We'll be back in a few minutes. What does self-care mean to you? To us, 
It's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skincare and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. iRedify is a Black-owned digital platform that showcases Black and Brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read e-books, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, June 12, 2022. And we are live. Before we go back to uh, uh, Amadeus Christ, I want to let you know that we have a new website which is the african history network.com the african history network.com so visit our new website the old one is still up but i'm transferring everything over to the new one it's easier to uh navigate you can it shows up better on your smartphone and on tablets uh some of my lectures are there right now as well uh that you can order it's a easy checkout process also and you can register for the online history classes that I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. On Saturdays, it is uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. So we deal with thousands of years of history, what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Classes on sale, $60, regularly $130. And we do all this, we do the sessions live, all the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go anytime. On Sundays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We had a great class today, and uh, one of the things we talked about is, is the connection between the January 6, uh, 2021 insurrection attacking the U.S. Capitol building, the domestic terrorists that Donald Trump sent to attack the U.S. Capitol building. We, we, we looked at the, the correlation between that and the political violence that took place during the Reconstruction era, which targeted African-Americans, uh, African-American elected officials, and uh, white Republicans uh, who were elected officials who were allies of African-Americans. Okay, so we talked about that also. All right, I want to go back to uh, Amadeus Christ here. Uh, so Amadeus, right before the break, uh, you were talking about the screening that's taking place uh, of uh, your new film, Heavy is the Crown, at Nanny's Knowledge Cafe, and Toby sent me the new updated flyer, which looks really good, so we're going to bring that up on the screen also. Okay, so go ahead and, and uh, give us some more information. Yeah, like I said, we're just going to have a nice family discussion and uh, show a good portion of the film. And you guys will get a chance to have a nice Q&A with the, with the director and myself, who will be in the building. Okay. And we'll take it from there. You know, I, I kind of like these things to be really organic. Right. right. And just kind of talk to the people and answer their questions. So exactly. I don't really have a script. You know, I feel at home at 90s. Right. And, uh, you know, I get a chance to see my Detroit family. And like I said, we'll just have a nice family discussion. 
Exactly. Now, uh, I'm going to bring the new flyer up here on the screen uh, as well. New flyer looks really good uh, for this uh, for the um, screening that's taking place at 71 Oakman Avenue in uh, Highland Park, Michigan. So what has been some of the um, response that you have received so far from the film? Oh, the response has been great. Uh, we've held the number one and number two slot on iTunes uh, movie charts for the African genre. Okay. Um, Excellent. Congratulations. Consecutively for at least the last two or three weeks. So um, the reviews have been great. You know, um, the people have responded well. You know, I get, you know, it's literally been exhausting, <laughs> you know, having to, get, you know, because I take the time back to respond to people individually, right? Okay. Uh, I don't want to be the guy that's just super unreachable. So I, I, I really take the time to respond to each and every person. Uh, I, I request reviews, you know, um, from, from people. So uh, honestly, you know, I kind of thought there would be more of a maybe negative reviews than what we have, you know, but all in all, the film was crafted in a way where it didn't attack religion at all. It didn't, yeah, right. I don't think anybody would, would be offended mm-hmm. by the film. I, I think, you know, I think it just Africanizes a lot of what we already believe. Right. So it's not like I'm, I'm not asking you to throw away anything. I'm just asking you to kind of expand on it. No, right. Right. Exactly. Just graduate a little bit to the next level and just kind of expand our knowledge. Uh, You Uh, know, so that's really what it's about. Yeah. I understand where all of this came from. uh, The people, Mm -hmm. yeah, the people appreciate it. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, once again, the screening is taking place at uh, Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue, Highland Park, Michigan, Wednesday, June 15th. It's a $15 donation, and it includes uh, popcorn and uh, lemonade, and there will also be a discussion. I'll be there as well, Um, so uh, look out for me uh, also. All right, well, look, brother, um, how can people get in contact with you? If they want to schedule a screening in their city uh, or something like that, uh, how can people get in contact with you to set something up like that? Or oh, are you looking to do screenings I, I in other cities? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's a, you know, there's a couple screenings in motion. Uh, most people just either contact me through Instagram, which is at Amadeus Christ, or you can send me a message on the Facebook, uh, which is facebook.com um, backslash Out of Darkness Film. Okay. Um, our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com building seven. Uh, the V is actually a seven, so it's building S E seven E N. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 an easy Google search search away. So um, also, my IMDb has my uh, my email information for anybody that's in the industry; they can access me that way. Okay, I'm not hard to find. Exactly. You know? let, let people know who's who's in the film. We know uh, Professor James Small and, and uh, Professor Kabahai Wathakamane, who are two of my teachers. We had them here on the show um, in April of yeah. 2022. Also, Tony Browder is is in there as well. Tony Browder is yeah. in there. Uh, Tony on the show. Browder, and I want to give a special shout out to Tony because he brought me to uh, Kenneth okay. uh, twice and, and Sudan. So Tony is a real, a real big part of this project, um, you know, because there's a lot of footage 
from the film. All pretty much everything that you see is all original footage from Kimmy. You know, okay. so I want people to understand that. You know, this is not just pictures and images tied together. This is actual footage, and I'm taking you inside these temples, and you know, this is the real deal. So, um, so Tony's in there. His daughter Atlantis Brown is mm-hmm. in there. Um, she did an excellent job. Right. Uh, we got David Banner. David mm-hmm. Banner is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Infudishi Jehutimas is in yeah, there. We had Infudishi on the show in April. Uh, Dr. Wade Nobles, mm-hmm. uh, and also we have Sabir Bay and Taj Tariq Bay. So again, we have the all-star, all-star right. lineup. There's no shortage of information. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, um, you could you could watch this movie ten times and still not get everything. So um, it's worth <laughs> it. It's worth your time and money. Exactly. Uh, and they could they could pick it up. Uh, it's streaming on every major platform: mm-hmm. Apple TV iTunes, Google Play, uh, right. Amazon Prime, Voodoo, Fandango. Uh, we just signed a deal with Ubiquity, and uh, they have a, uh, a lot of other distributors uh, knocking at the door ready to take right. it internationally. And, 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 and we're also a distributor of it as well, the African History Network. We're also a distributor of the film yeah. also. So uh, we have it at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, TheAfricanHistoryNetwork.com, our new website. We have the film there. You can order it on DVD. Uh, also, okay, brother. Well, look, man, I'll see you Wednesday. It's good talking to you, and uh, we're gonna have a good time at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. All right, all right, thank okay. you for having me. I appreciate right. you. All right, peace, okay, everybody. Um, and be sure to visit uh, our new website, uh, the African History Network.com, the African History Network.com, and we have uh, the documentary Out of Darkness There, Heavy is the Crown. If you want to uh, order it there as well, if you can't make it to the screening. Uh, we have it at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Listen to the African History Network show. We'll be back in a few minutes. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Here on the After History Network show, we're doing current events and history and so much, much more. We're going to give you an update on what's going on. This is about self-preservation. We have to extinguish the fire of white supremacy. See, that's without consequence. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 910 AM Superstation or Adele Media. Welcome back to the After History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Okay, the call in number is 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600. 
is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Um, I'll be on the Tammy Mac Leach show on uh, Wednesday, June 15th. Um, we're taping that early in the day, about 2 p.m. Then I have to go over to Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. But we're going to talk about uh, Juneteenth and uh, the history of Juneteenth and should Juneteenth be a uh, federal holiday, et cetera, things like that. Um, there's a lecture that I did uh, June 16th, 2021, dealing with um, the real history of Juneteenth and the fact that we have to correct the history and protect the history. It's available right now at our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, Juneteenth History, Emancipation Day, not Independence Day. Um, we never got our 40 acres in the mule. Dr. King's Poor People's Campaign would cut our check. Okay, it's two, about two and a half hours, something like that. Uh, it's on sale $10 at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Digital download format. It's $5 in digital download format. I'm going to post the link here on the thread of the broadcast. We have uh, order shipping out this week. I'm going to post the uh, link here on the thread of the broadcast so you can um, so you can uh, uh, place your orders now. And the new website is very easy to uh, navigate through. You can order right from your smartphone. Okay, I've been working on this website. Uh, Thursday through Saturday, I, I paid uh, Thursday. I paid WordPress because I've had the uh, domain name, the African History Network.com for years. I'm switching over from Ionos over to WordPress. I already had it on WordPress, so I paid WordPress Thursday, $180 to upgrade to their new business pro to their business pro package so I could build the website out and turn it into an e-commerce website, all that stuff. So uh, it's much easier for you to uh, navigate throughout. All right. And well, I'm post the link here for the uh, digital download. Also, the digital download is five dollars. All right. I want to go back to the uh, January 6th uh, hearing that took place uh, Thursday, June 9th. We were talking about this uh, right before the break. Um, Jalen, I want to go back to that clip from uh, NBC Nightly News. We're going to go back to that, uh, go back to that, and then we're going to the clip from uh, uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go back to uh, NBC Nightly News as a recap of what happened uh, Thursday, the primetime January, uh, uh, January 6th uh, hearing, and the hearing was seen by approximately 20 million people. Here. Officer Carolyn Edwards, who suffered a traumatic brain injury fighting on the Capitol's West Front, describing in vivid detail the sheer scope of the day's violence. What I saw was just a, a war scene. There were officers on the ground, um, you know, they were bleeding, they were throwing up, they were, you know, they had... I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. Officer Harry Dunn trained Edwards. She did a fantastic job, and um, I couldn't be proud. I was just so proud of her bravery. Uh, I called her a shero. The committee made up of seven Democrats, but just two Republicans, all appointed by Speaker Pelosi. Both Republicans, fierce critics of former President Trump and of those who still support him. I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. 
There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. House Republicans brushing off the hearing as a Democratic distraction. Well, last night's hearing was a primetime dud. No, nothing came out of it that we didn't, we didn't know before. It didn't change anybody's minds. At the, at the end of the day, this committee is trying to prosecute Donald Trump for crimes that he did not commit. Watching last night, it felt like a preview to much, much more. I know they've lined up three more hearings for next week, right? Yeah, Lester, that's right. These hearings won't be in prime time, but they will cover the pressure campaigns against Mike Pence and the Department of Justice. And on Monday, they'll focus specifically on the former president's lies about the election results. Lester. All right, Gary, thanks. And for more, let's bring in Kristen Welker now at the White House. Kristen, nearly 20 million people were watching last night, and we're already getting an idea of how this is playing out. That's right, Lester. Democrats tell us tonight the hearing was a powerful start to laying out the case against former President Trump. And they're signaling they won't shy away from trying to link Trump-backed candidates in key swing states to the horror that unfolded that day. But the reality check here, Democrats also know these new devastating inflation numbers, plus record high gas prices, the baby formula shortage, are what Americans care about most. So they're walking a fine line as well. Meanwhile, Republicans today are blasting the hearing as a partisan distraction from issues like inflation, with Democrats facing the potential for big losses. Bottom line here, with the country so sharply divided, it's hard to see the hearings will have a major impact on the overall outcome in November. All right. Okay, that's from NBC Nightly News. I think they're going to have, when all this stuff comes out in the hearings, all this stuff comes out, I think it's going to have an impact on the uh midterm elections number one because you're going to see some of these traitors who try to overthrow the government who try to invalidate african-americans votes you're going to see them running for re-election and try to invalidate latinos votes and asian americans and and white people who voted for joe biden and kamala harris all this stuff is going to come out is not is not going to be pretty all right okay calling numbers 313-778-7600 is to call in number if you have a question or comment. All right, now I was on uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. We're going to clip two, Jalen. Uh, I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on uh, Friday, June 10th. And we discussed the uh, January 6th hearing. And also on the panel was uh, Melanie Campbell of uh, Black Women's uh, Roundtable, I think it is. But uh, Melanie Campbell, she's been on. Roland Martin and filter numerous times. Um, let's go to um, clip number two, Jalen. You know, I didn't want to be a part of it, and that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I observed, uh, I think it was on December 1st, that, you know, how can we, you can't live in a world where, where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election, that there was fraud in the election. I mean, Michael, by, by putting that out there first, I mean, this is the guy who did everything to protect Donald Trump with the Mueller report. Uh, and uh, this this was important just to methodically lay the facts out. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and keep in mind, uh, Attorney General William Barr also resigned about a month before Trump left office as well. Okay, and that was one of the reasons why. 
because he, he disagreed with, with Trump. You know, I watched the whole thing yesterday, Roland. I watched the hour of the preview on MSNBC. I watched the I watched the whole hearing. Then I watched the analysis afterwards. Yes, yesterday was fantastic. Document documentarian uh, Nick Quested did a fantastic job. I've been reading through articles about this, and I knew that this was the type of information that was coming because I, I've been following the investigations they've been doing. Uh, there's been over a thousand people they've interviewed. They reviewed over 140,000 documents. So I wasn't pressing the the committee. I knew this stuff was coming. Now this coming Monday. They're going to break down. They're going to go through and systematically dissect the big lie. That's what's coming this Monday. So this, you know, this was fantastic. A lot of new evidence came out, footage we had, had not seen before. People around Trump who told him, no, you lost, you're lying, et cetera. Attorney General William Barr, we saw Ivanka Trump, uh, and we saw that she believed uh, William Barr. We saw, you know, Scott Perry pursuing a uh, pardon, but also... They're inviting Scott Perry to come testify. They say, well, oh, if you disagree uh, with, uh, with our findings, you can come testify under oath. Uh, and uh, uh, Chairman Benny Thompson was interviewed by Nicole Wallace today on Deadline White House. He said, and she asked him, would you let President Trump come, uh, former President Trump come? He said, yeah, if he comes under oath, testifies that he can. But if he thinks he's going to purge himself, he better think again. So this is fantastic. I love it. Seriously, I love it. And this reminds me, lastly, of the July 1863 New York City draft riot during the Civil War where working-class white men retaliated against the federal government because they were being drafted to fight in the Civil War. Many of them did not have the $300 to avoid being drafted. And they said, wait a second, you said the Civil War was about uh, keeping the Union together. This was after the Emancipation Proclamation. They said, now you're talking about freeing the slaves. They retaliated and they attacked federal buildings. There were about 119 people killed, and they also attacked African Americans as well. This was a this was a, a bloody riot, one of the one of the worst riots in the history of this country. This was before, of course, Tulsa Tulsa Massacre, 1921. This is the New York City Draft Riot, 1863, during the Civil War. Um, you know, Melody, to sit here and listen to people who say, "Oh my God, the hearings were boring." and they could have made it more compelling. I'm sorry. Everything literally is not a damn television show or a movie. I mean, what we're talking about here um, is, as Congressman Thompson said, this was an attempted coup. And so I'm sorry we can't have a Michael Mann movie, uh, uh, you know, uh, or uh, or a uh, F. Uh, Gary Gray movie. This can't be fast, fast and furious, Nineteen or eleven. Uh, this is this is real stuff, and the fact that twenty million people saw this, and you can have others who are saying that, well, you know, uh, we pretty much knew all this sort of stuff. No, I think there were people last night who had to see the gravity of what took place, and I think with these with these hearings coming up, and I think every one of them should be in prime time. They should, they should, if the television networks, oh, we don't want them in prime time, damn your prime time shows. Put this in prime time because American people need to sit at home and listen to this so they understand the evil that exists in the Republican Party because they continue to defend this big lie. Well, I tell you, last night my brother who's, who, who, who votes 
Um, but he, he doesn't like to get that that engaged on, on, on some of these things. Me and my brother would sat here the entire two hours, and he was talking about when I came home today. It's like people are paying. People who watched paid attention, and I think next week, and I agree with you, they need to keep it on prime time, no matter what Fox News, because there's certain people who go, no matter what happens, they're not, those aren't the people that's going to ever own it because they have a different mindset about why it's, what it's about in the first place, right? Anything's going to keep white people on the top uh, of the heap, and so Donald Trump fits that bill. So it doesn't matter what to them what happens. But the, the but the American people have to know, and those who say they they, they support the blue, really, you, this is how you support the blue, and then you're gonna you're gonna let Congress people, uh, you have an opportunity to find out where people stood on whether or not they believe in this democracy that you all say you love so much, but you're flying the flag and and taking people out like Kaepernick because he would he wouldn't he would do, he took a knee. So how how patriotic are you really? When you say you love this country, because if you love this country, then what happened on January 6th, then you're going to show it also at the ballot box and who you decide you want to bring back to Congress uh, in 2023. Pause it right there. OK, so uh, that's uh, some of what happened on Roland Martin and Filter. When we come back from the break, uh, we'll show you some. Uh, we'll go to another clip as well. Uh, look at this article here from The Daily Beast. MSNBC January 6th hearing coverage beats Fox News uh, regular lineup and ratings. So um, 4.1 million people, uh, let's see, uh, 4.1 million people watched MSNBC. There was about 3 million people who watched uh, uh, CNN. Uh, CNN came third at uh, 2.6 million. Uh, 3 million people uh, watched The Liars, Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity on Fox News, okay, and we know it's about 20 million people in total who watched the uh, who watched the hearing on Thursday. We'll continue this another side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Network International in collaboration with STL Black Woman, DACA, and ACTA present the Royal Pilgrimage to the Americas, August 24th through the 28th. The African kings and queens are coming to you for business, networking, and sharing of Pan-African ideals. The venue will be the illustrious En Arts Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. A royal cultural experience and exhibitions, trade and investment opportunities in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas a Royal Pan-African Summit hosting keynote speakers, and a red carpet banquet. 
Come and witness our African Royal Coronation Ceremony. Register at www.idonetwork.org to book your ticket to wine and dine with African royalty. Vendor opportunities available. Get face-to-face with the royals who own the land and resources for business. Contact DACA for deal room information at 602-730-4572. The topics here on the After History Network show will be recurring events of history and much, much more. We're going to give you an update on what's going on. This is about self-preservation. We have to extinguish the fire of white supremacy. See, let's just have consequences. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future of radio. Okay, so um, on our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, when you go to it, just type in forward slash home, H-O-M-E, and it takes you to the new homepage I set up. Or if you uh, go to it and it says nothing found, uh, if you look at the menu at the top, uh, just click on uh, home that's right next to Michael M. Hotep's bio. Click on home, and it takes you to the home page. You see me there in the studio at 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. You scroll down, we see uh, uh, a Heavy is the Crown documentary, so you can order that there. It's easy to order right from your smartphone. In addition to the Juneteenth lecture that I've done, also my Black Wall Street lecture is available right now. It's $10 on DVD, $5 on digital download. Uh, this is a two and a half hour lecture that I've done dealing with the history of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the origins of Tulsa. Uh, I deal with the Creek Indians because um, Tulsa was founded by Creek Indians around 1834 who get pushed off their land in the southeastern United States because of the Indian Removal Act of 1830. When they go into Tulsa, they take their African slaves with them. The Choctaw, Chickasaw Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians all owned African slaves. Okay, so we'll post this link um, right here on the thread of the broadcast as well. And then we have, uh, if we go back, we have the uh, my bundle pack, 15 DVD bundle pack, Michael M. Hotep, uh, Black History Month bundle pack, and it's actually 16 lectures. This is regularly $150 on sale, $100. We have these shipping out this week and includes 16 uh, of my lectures. Keep you busy. Uh, you get my black, uh, two of my Black Panther lectures dealing with the film Black Panther. You're dealing with one, uh, uh, you get one breaking the chains while we celebrate Black History Month, which deals with the origins of African-American History Month and Dr. Carter G. Woodson. You get one that I did on Malcolm X. Uh, one on Dr. King, the distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the revolutionary, will not be televised on the television. Um, it's also one that I did dealing with the Three-Fifths Compromise of 1787, Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution, and why people misunderstand it. It did not say we were three-fifths of a human being. It's dealing with counting three-fifths of the population of uh, slaves to determine how many seats in the House of Representatives slaveholding states would have. Also, I deal with the Electoral College and how it works and the origins of it. Uh, thir- the 13 forms of wealth, keys to economics, entrepreneurship and economic empowerment. Uh, so that deals with entrepreneurship and I tie African-American history into it as well. So I taught entrepreneurship for seven years. The racist history of the white national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance. 
This deals with the origins of the national anthem written by Francis Scott Key in 1814 during the War of 1812 and the Pledge of Allegiance written in 1892 by Francis Bellamy, who was a, a minister and a socialist. So, and I tie all that into Colin Kaepernick's protest. You get a double lecture that I deal with David M. Hotep, who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence. Uh, this four-hour presentation, uh, Redistributing the Pain, How African-Americans Fought Back with the Boycotts. It deals with documented examples of us using different types of economic withdrawal strategies to fight against white supremacy and racism. Uh, the Light of Ancient Egypt Awakens the African, the African Mind the Economic Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization, which is actually a two DVD presentations, about four hours. Uh, a Black Panther analysis. This is a presentation I did for children. I was speaking to about 60, uh, 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 60 um, I think it was fifth graders and their um, uh, teachers, okay? And dealing with how the film Black Panther relates to African history and culture and how they can use uh, different themes from the film to teach this history to our children, okay? Uh, also, Ancient Kemet, The Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas. So it's actually 16 uh, uh, lectures that you get in that uh, bundle pack, okay? And that's on sale $100. I said our new website, African History, uh, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. We're going to post the link right here for, um, we'll post the link right here for um, that bundle pack. All right, I want to go back to our story here dealing with the January 6th insurrection. And um, Jalen, I want to go to uh, clip number four, Benny Thompson, uh, Representative Benny Thompson. We're going to clip number four here in just a minute. Uh, he, Benny Thompson's from Mississippi. Okay, I want you to hear what he had to say. Now, during the segment uh, when I was on Roller Martin and Filter, you heard me talk about the 1863 New York City draft riot. All right. And uh, Jalen, I like that M-Hotep guy. We got to get him on the show next Sunday, man. I'm just saying he dropped that M-Hotep guy dropped this knowledge about the 1863 New York City draft riot that not a lot of people know about. So this is during the Civil War. OK, after the Emancipation Proclamation and white men retaliated against the federal government. And this caused uh, a number of days of rampage and riots and they were attacking federal buildings. The New York uh, City draft riots occurred in July of 1863 when the anger when the anger of working class New Yorkers over a new federal draft law during the Civil War sparked five days of some of the bloodiest, some of the bloodiest and most destructive rioting in U.S. history. Hundreds of people were killed. Hundreds of people were killed. Many more seriously injured and African-Americans were often the target of the rioters violence. Now, how many people have never heard, besides me talking about this, because I've talked about it before, how many people have never heard of the New York City draft riot of 1863? Now, I teach about this in our Sunday online history class from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. So be sure to register for that at our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com uh, forward slash home, or just click on home um, at the top of the page. Now, as the business capital of the, as the business capital of the nation, New York city had, had not welcomed the onset of the civil war as it meant losing the South as a trading partner. It's all about the money as it meant losing the South as a trading partner. 
cotton was an extremely valuable product for New York's merchants. Before the Civil War, cotton represented 40% of all the goods shipped out of the city's port. And long after the slave trade was made illegal in 1808, we, we talk about this in my class as well, March 2nd, 1807, U.S. Congress abolishes the international transatlantic slave trade, which means bringing Africans into the country to uh, sell them as slaves. You can still own slaves in the country. You can still sell them in the country, but you cannot bring Africans into the country. The U.S. entered into international treaties uh, with other uh, European nations about 1808. This law goes into effect January 1st, 1808. It's rooted in Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution, which stated that the earliest the transatlantic slave trade could be abolished was in was January 1st, 1808. And once again, this helps to make helps to lay a legal foundation rooted in the U.S. Constitution for reparations because all of the Africans who were brought to this country from January 1st, 1808 through about July of 1860, when the Clotilda comes into Alabama, all that was illegal based upon federal law. All that was a violation of federal law and their capture was also a violation of international treaties as well. And this played a role in the. Uh, 1841 U.S. Supreme Court case, the U.S. versus the Amistad. This is why those Africans were set free, Joseph St. Q and the others. This is why they were set free, because it was illegal for that ship to come into the U.S. in the first place. Okay, so the uh, and long after the slave trade was made uh, illegal in 1808, the cities, uh, the city of New York's illicit slave market thrived. The city of New York's slave market thrived. Now, when the war broke out in 1861, the Civil War, there, there was even talk of New York seceding from the Union itself. So, in, so entwined were the city's business interests with the Confederate states. Now, as the war progressed, New York's anti-war politicians and newspapers kept warning its working class white citizens, kept warning its working class white citizens uh, many of them Irish or German immigrants, that emancipation, freeing the slaves, would mean their replacement in the labor force by thousands of freed enslaved people from the South. So you got white newspapers like the Fox News of their time. You had anti-war politicians who were against the Civil War. You had these white-owned newspapers preying on the poor uh, Irish and German immigrants scaring them like Fox News scares ignorant people today and and saying if the slaves are free, they're going to come take your jobs. But when you really do a systems analysis, you'll see that African-Americans and poor whites are being manipulated by the same one percent or 10 percent, just as it was back in the 1860s. It's the same thing today. And they and they manipulate also immigrants coming to this country. Uh, migrants coming to this country. And if you want to look at uh, those coming from Central America, the, the violence and conditions that many of them uh, are fleeing from Guatemala and Honduras and things like this, and even uh, uh, coming from uh, Mexico, which is looked as part of North America, the, the conditions that they're fleeing from, the U.S. has helped to shape those conditions because of U.S. policies to Central American countries uh, for the last 50 years to 100 years. OK, so we have to do a systems analysis as opposed to suffering from a paralysis of analysis.
We'll get to this on the other side of the break. I'm going to share uh, what the Representative Benny Thompson had to say, chair of the January 6th committee. He's from Bolton, Mississippi, and he mix, mentions Vicksburg, Mississippi. We know there was a Vicksburg uh, massacre in Mississippi in 1874. And I'm going to share another segment from Roland Martin and Filter to Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. All right. If you missed uh, my online class today uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, uh, it's not a problem. As soon as you register uh, for the class, you can watch today's class. Okay. So, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. And uh, today we, we dealt with the Compromise of 1850, which was a result of the Mexican-American War of 1846 and 1848 and the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo of 1848. The U.S. is going to get uh, the territory that makes up California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, and Nevada from uh, Mexico uh, from that treaty, which ends the Mexican-American War. We were looking at what leads up to the Civil War taking place. So the Compromise of 1850 was one of them. Also, the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854 was another one of them as well. Uh, the Compromise of 1850 consisted of five bills. The fifth bill was the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, which, which intensified the uh, abolitionist movement and caused more runaway slaves to go into uh, Canada. Okay, we also talked about Harriet, Harriet Beecher Stowe's book, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which came out in 1852. And this is going to intensify the abolitionist movement as well. We're going to look at these things that lead up to the Civil War taking place. Also, like the uh, Missouri Compromise of 1820. We talked about that today in, in, in the class also. And that was uh, designed to organize the land that the U.S. got from the Louisiana Purchase of 1803. Okay, so. Uh, we have their information at our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. The class is on sale $60, regularly $130. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime. I'm going to post a link here. Uh, also, uh, you can register for this uh, as well. It's a 10-week online class that I teach. And uh, you don't have to be present in class. You can watch from around the world, and even after the class is over with, you still have access. You can still watch the full course. So a year from now, two years from now, you can go back and watch the full class. All right. Uh, I want to go back to this article here. Then we're going to go to uh, – I want you to hear from Representative Benny Thompson. Uh, I want to go to this article here from uh, History.com, which deals with the New York City draft riot, uh, New York draft, the New York draft riots. This is of uh, July 1863. We were talking about this right before the break. And this is what I mentioned when I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, as the war, as the Civil War progressed, New York's anti-war politicians, New York's anti-war politicians. Uh, let me see this ad's playing. OK, New York's anti-war politicians and newspapers kept warning is working class white citizens, many of them Irish or German immigrants, that emancipation would mean replacement, their replacement in the labor force by thousands of freed and slave people from the south they said they're coming to take your jobs they say no irish and germans they said no you don't want these slaves to be free they're going to come take your jobs so you should want the south to win 
Okay, you should you should want to keep them enslaved. It sounds like the same rhetoric that people like Trump talk about when they talk about immigrants coming here, taking jobs, even though you have millions of unfilled jobs. Okay, even though there are millions of unfilled jobs right now in the economy, this is the same. When you go and look at this history, this is the same rhetoric. They keep running the same play over and over again because it works. They prey on people who are ignorant who don't understand history, don't understand the economy. This is the same game they ran in 1863, the same game they're running in 2022, same game they, uh, Trump ran in 2016. They're coming to take your jobs. They're rapists, they're murderers, things like this. And immigrants, including undocumented immigrants, have a lower uh, rate of crimes than uh, people who were born here in the U.S. Now, in September 1862, President Abraham Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation, which was an executive order, which would take effect earlier, early the following year. And this confirmed workers' worst fears, white workers. This confirmed white workers' worst fears. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation did, is not what freed the slaves. We know it's the 13th Amendment when it was ratified by Georgia December 6, 1865, and that amends the U.S. Constitution, okay? Now, at the time, Lincoln's decision for emancipation sparked protests among workers in the city. So he says, OK, this is going to, you know, we're going to now the, the, the Civil War in the beginning was fought to bring the South back into the Union, not to free the slaves. OK, the Emancipation Proclamation was a military strategy. It was a military strategy which stated that this, this, the, the territories in rebellion. If they did not come back into the Union by January 1st, 1863, their slaves would be free. OK, that, so the, the initial Emancipation Proclamation was issued September 22nd. It was an ultimatum. It was a threat to bring the South back into the Union. OK, and it stated if they if, if they did not come back into the Union by January 1st, 1863, their slaves would be free. Now, it, it, when you go read it, you can go to LOC.gov, the Library of Congress website or archives.gov. U.S. National Archives, and you can read the Emancipation Proclamation. It gives all these exceptions because the border states like Maryland, Missouri, Kentucky, and Delaware, they were allowed to keep their slaves. And then territories that were former Confederate territories that came back under control of the Union, they were allowed to keep their slaves as well. This is why we have to read. This is why they didn't want slaves to read, many of them. You can read in Virginia. If you were slave up to 1831 when the uh, 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 Nat Turner rebellion took place, because Nat Turner was literate and he could read the Bible. and He was using the Bible as a tool to teach our people that we should be free. So after the Nat Turner rebellion, the state legislature in Virginia changed that law and said, no, 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 no. We can't have these Negroes reading. Another thing that we did when we learned to read and write, many of us wrote our own freedom papers and ran away because a lot of the, the, the uh, patrollers, the Patty Rose, a lot, a lot of the slave patrollers were illiterate and they couldn't read either. So you can give them any piece of paper and say these are your, your freedom papers or a travel pass. OK, so um, as at the time, Lincoln's decision for emancipation sparked protests among workers in the city, as well as soldiers and officers in New York uh, regiments who had signed up to preserve the union, not to abolish slavery who had signed up to preserve the union, not to abolish slavery, because that's what you said this was about. This is about preserving the union, bringing the South back into the union, okay? So then they're gonna institute a draft and uh, the conscription law, they institute a draft. Uh, this uh, 1863, 
1863, facing a dire shortage of manpower in early 1863, Lincoln's government passed a uh, strict new conscript conscription law, which made all male citizens 20 and uh, between 20 and 35 years old and all unmarried men between 35 and 45 subject to military duty. Now, here's the hook where the elite prey on the poor masses. Though all eligible men were entered into a lottery, they could buy their way out of harm's way by hiring a substitute or paying $300 to the government, which is roughly $5,800 today. So wealthy white men could buy their way out of being drafted and going to fight in the, in the, uh, going to fight in the Union Army against the South. Poor white men couldn't do this. This is one of the reasons why they retaliated with the riot. At the time, the sum was the yearly salary for the average American worker, $300, making avoiding the draft impossible for all but the wealthiest of men, the ruling 1% or 10%. Compounding the issue, African-Americans were exempt from the draft as they were not considered citizens, okay? So you got poor white men saying, you're gonna draft me to go fight in this war and you're going to free the slaves. They're going to take my job and I can't buy my way out of this. All hell to the no. Riots over the draft occurred in other cities, including Detroit, Michigan and Boston. Okay. Boston, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, but nowhere was as bad as in the city of New York. Anti-war newspapers published attacks on the new draft law fueling the mounting anger of white workers leading up to the city's first draft lottery on July 11th, 1863. Now, the New York draft riots began for the first 24 hours the, uh, after the lottery, the city remained suspiciously quiet, but rioting began early on the morning of Monday, July 13th. Thousands of white workers, mainly Irish and Irish Americans started attacking military and government buildings. You mean like the January 6th insurrection when those domestic terrorists attacked the U.S. Capitol building? Isn't that a government building? Here they attacked the Irish and Irish Americans mainly. White workers started attacking military and government buildings and became violent only toward people who tried to stop them, including the insufficient numbers of policemen and soldiers that uh, the, the city's leaders initially mustered to oppose them. By that afternoon, however, they had moved on to target African-American citizens, homes and businesses. In one notorious example, a mob of several thousand people, some armed with clubs and bats, stormed the colored, uh, or, uh, they stormed the colored orphan asylum on Fifth Avenue near 42nd Street, a four story building housing more than 200 children. They took bedding. They took food. They took clothing and other goods and set the orphanage on fire, but stopped short of assaulting the children who were forced to go to one of the city's almshouses, okay, a house for uh, the poor, okay? So this, this riot caused violence and bloodshed. They, they then start attacking African-Americans. In addition to African-American, uh, African-Americans themselves, rioters turned their rage against white abolitionists and women who were married to black men. White abolitionists, and they're talking about white women, white women married to black, win, black men. 
Um, so read the rest of this here. You're going to end up with uh, at least 119 people killed. In all the published death toll of the New York City draft riot of July 1863 was 119 people, though estimates of the actual number of people killed reached as high as 1,200. Okay, um, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. I want you to hear from Representative Benny Thompson. Now, this type of history, this is what I teach in my online history classes. Visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. You can register for those. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right, right here on 910 AM, the Superstation WFDF. Now, keep in mind, we're on uh, only Sundays now, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is uh, my original uh, time slot. Uh, you know, starting you know starting in October 2020, I was on Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight. But a couple of weeks ago, um, I stopped that. So we're on only on Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Follow me on my social media platforms, The African History Network, The African History Network on Facebook, Michael M. Hotep on YouTube. Um, it's uh, Michael M. Hotep on Instagram. Uh, also, if you want me to do a presentation for your group of organizations, email me at uh, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, okay? I'm speaking um, at a couple of uh, locations in... Um, the weekend of Saturday, uh, the weekend of June 18th and 19th for Juneteenth. Uh, I'm speaking out in Mount Clemens. We're going to post this on our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. I'll, I'll post the information there. You can also uh, email me, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com if you want me to do a presentation for your group organization. And uh, you can give me a call at 313-462-0003. That's the uh, business line for the African History Network. 313-462-0003 uh, also. All right. Um, and I've got to find that. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to go to this clip here. This is Representative Benny Thompson of um, Congressional Black Caucus. This was the uh, his opening uh, statement at the uh, January 6th uh, committee hearing. Okay. Let's go to this clip, Jalen. Thanks to everyone watching tonight for sharing part of your evening to learn the facts and causes of the events leading up to and including the violent attack on January 6, 2021. Our democracy, electoral system, and country. I'm Benny Thompson, chairman of the January 6, 2021 committee. I was born, raised, and still live in Bolton, Mississippi, a town with a population of 521, which is midway between Jackson and Vicksburg, Mississippi, and the Mississippi River. I'm from a part of the country where people justify the actions of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan, and lynching. I'm reminded of that dark history as I hear voices today try and justify the actions of the insurrectionists on January 6, 2021. Over the next few weeks, hopefully you will get to know the other members, my colleagues up here, and me. We represent a diversity of communities from all over the United States. 
rural areas and cities, East Coast, West Coast, and the heartland. All of us have one thing in common. We swore the same oath. That same oath that all members of Congress take upon taking office and afterwards every two years if they are reelected. We swore an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm -hmm. The words of the current oath taken by all of us that nearly every United States government employee takes have their roots in the Civil War. Throughout our history, the United States has fought against foreign enemies to preserve our democracy, electoral system, and country. When the United States Capitol was stormed and burned in 1814, foreign enemies were responsible. After war, in 1862, when American citizens had taken up arms against this country, Congress adopted a new oath to help make sure no person who had supported the rebellion could hold a position of public trust. Therefore, congresspersons and United States federal government employees were required for the first time to swear an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That oath was put to test on January 6, 2021. The police officers who held the line that day honored their oath. Many came out of that day blooded and broken. They still bear those wounds, visible and invisible. They did their duty. They repelled the mob and ended the occupation of the Capitol. They defended the Constitution against domestic enemies so that Congress could return uphold our own oath and count your votes to ensure the transfer of power, just as we've done for hundreds of years. But unlike in 1814, it was domestic enemies of the Constitution who stormed the Capitol and occupied the Capitol, who sought to thwart the will of the people to stop the transfer of power. And so they did. So at the encouragement of the President of the United States, the President of the United States trying to stop the transfer of power, a precedent that had stood for 220 years, even as our democracy had faced its most difficult test. Thinking back again to the Civil War in the summer of 1864, the President of the United States believed he, we would be doomed to bid his bid for re-election. He believed his opponent, General George McClellan, would wave the white flag when it came to preserving the Union. But even with that grim fate hanging in the balance, President Lincoln was ready to accept the will of the voters, come what may. He made a quiet plea. All right, All right. pause he right there, Jalen. Pause right there. Okay. All right. Uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, uh, look, we're running out of time here. Uh, keep watching. Uh, those listening on 9, 10 a.m. WFDF, we're running out of time. Uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're going to keep going for a few more minutes.
And I'm going to play another segment of Roland Martin Unfiltered. Now, Representative Benny Thompson did a fantastic job. The reason why he's chairman of the committee, one, because of seniority, two, because people voted. African-Americans, Latinos, Asian-Americans voted and put Democrats in control of the House of Representatives. He talked about the oath that they take. Go to Senate.gov, Senate.gov, official website of the U.S. Senate, and search for the oath we take, the oath we take. It talks about the oath from 1789, but then after the Civil War, the oath was altered, okay? It was enhanced. During the Civil War, Congress instituted the test oath. The test oath created in part to prevent ex-Confederates from taking federal positions. The Senate amended uh, the oath four times between 1864 and 1884, when as part of a general revision of its rules, it repealed the test oath. Since then, the solemn oath prescribed by law has been, I do solemnly swear uh, that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Okay, uh, so read the rest of that as well. And that was as a result of the U.S. Civil War. That's what Representative Benny Thompson was talking about. All right. Visit our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com forward slash home. We have to get out of here. We'll see you Wednesday at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace. All right. Stand by. Stand by. I'm going to go to this next clip here. Go to this next clip here. This is from uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered, and we were talking about the um, we, we, this is continuing the discussion of the uh, January 6th committee hearing. Uh, I want to go to this clip here. Let's go to this one. Like what, what the what the hearing is doing is showing you exactly who's on the right side of history. Like you are seeing who in the Trump administration and others are going to be considered domestic terrorists and who are actually going to be considered patriots. Now, the American people can do with that what they will. Hopefully they open their eyes to the crap that we've been going through. But at least now it's on the record. At least now it will be nothing but willful ignorance from here on out. You cannot say that you didn't know because it's been in your face now, this entire time. And, and, and that's it, Michael. I mean, th there, there are no more excuses. Uh, and this is where we get to say, who are you with? Who exactly. are you with? Because if you continue, when, when the Jim Jordans of the world and the Kevin McCarthy's keep saying, oh, this committee, they're illegal. See, that's all hype. No, no. You now have to explain away Kevin McCarthy, the video of your staff scurrying out of the office as they were coming. So you call the committee uh, illegal, yet your staff was scared for their lives on that same day? In fact, if I'm, if I'm with his staff, I could not work for that man after what he has been doing trying to discredit this hearing. I mean, let's exactly. this committee. Well, you know, Kevin McCarthy was calling the White House trying to get Trump to call off his goons, trying to get Trump to call off his domestic terrorists. This is how spineless these Republicans are. These these are traitors. This is how this is how spineless these people are. And this is it. This is an example of how elections have consequences because the reason why Benny Thompson is chairman of of that committee 
is because people went out and voted, especially African-Americans, and Democrats have control of the House, okay? Now, also, when you talk about these traitors Republicans, we have to keep in mind, when we look at how they vote, they consistently vote against our own interests. And just a couple of weeks ago, all the Republicans, except for one, Adam Kissinger, all of them voted against the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act in the House of Representatives. I wonder why. Because you know if the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act passes, and 47 Republicans in the Senate voted against it as well, you know that was going to specifically target domestic terrorists, neo-Nazis, and white supremacists, and they know their asses would be busted. This is why every last one of those traitors, keep in mind, 147 of those traitors voted not to certify the 2020 presidential elections. 139 in the House, and I think it was eight in the Senate. All those traitors have to be dealt with. All of them have to be voted out of office, and then hopefully they'll be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And, you know, treason is defined by Article 3, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution, and we know what the penalty for treason is also. All right. So uh, that's another segment from Roland Martin and Filter. You can watch that show in its entirety. Um, uh, Roland S. Martin on Facebook and YouTube. You can download the Black Star Media app and watch it there as well. And the shows are archived also. That was from Friday, uh, June 10th, 2022. All right. Uh, I want to go to, uh, let's see here. I want to go to, all right, just a second. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, when I was on Rolling Show, I miss, mentioned the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. We've talked about it here on this show. We know that only one Republican uh, voted for the bill. The bill uh, came back up for a vote in the House, and it was modified to address concerns of progressives like Representative Cory Bush from Missouri, et cetera. It came back up for a vote in the House as a result of the Buffalo, New York mass shooting where 10 African-Americans were killed. Washington Post reported May 19th, May 18th and 19th, House passes bill targeting domestic terrorism in wake of Buffalo mass shooting. Now, you, um, the vote was 222 to 203. 203 Republicans voted against the bill. Only Adam, Representative Adam Kissinger of Illinois, who's not running for re-election, voted for the bill. Um. And when we look at this, now we know in the Senate, it was defeated in the Senate by a vote of 47 to 47. So they couldn't even get 50 votes. Uh, 47 Republicans voted against the bill. But the um, bill would create uh, departments in the um, Schneider's legislation would establish domestic terrorism offices within the Justice and Homeland Security Departments, Justice Department and Homeland Justice Department of Homeland Security, as well as the FBI. It also called for leaders of the FBI, DOJ, and Department of Homeland Security to submit a joint report twice a year with a particular focus, with a particular focus on the threat posed by white supremacists and neo-Nazis, including the infiltration of federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies and the uniformed services by members of those groups. 
So these 203 Republicans voted against this bill because they don't want to prevent domestic terrorism, especially when they're involved in planning it. They voted against this bill because they don't want to prevent domestic terrorism, especially when they are involved in planning it or their domestic terrorist sympathizers. So read this here from the Washington Post. House passes bill targeting domestic terrorism in wake of Buffalo mass shooting. So if Republicans want to prevent domestic terrorism, where's your bill? If Republicans, these 203 that voted against this, you want to prevent domestic terrorism, you want to crack down on that, where's your bill? All right. Um, okay, I want to go to this next story here, uh, which uh, I'm not going to have time to really get to this one. Uh, we talked about it earlier in the show, so read this article here. California's Reparations Task Force takes on the historic theft of black art and culture. Okay. Uh, I talked about this uh, early in the show. And uh, we're not going to have as much time to spend on this as I wanted to. But the uh, January 6th uh, hearing, January 6th committee hearing is extremely important. So if we look at this briefly, and this is a continuation of this topic from uh, our Sunday, June 5th show. Uh, there's a chapter in the nearly 600 page report that the California Reparations Task Force released on Wednesday, June 1st, that deals with the, um, the longstanding inequities surrounding the history of arts and entertainment in the U.S. and the theft of uh, royalties, property rights, things like this. Throughout American history, the federal government historically deprived African-American artists and innovators of intellectual property, intellectual property rights, copyright protections, and patent protections, resulting in intellectual and cultural theft and exploitation, states the report, which according to um, Task Force Chair Camila Moore, is the most extensive government issued uh, report on the African-American community since the Kerner Commission in 1968. Now, this also contributes contributes to the uh, racial wealth gap as well. Uh, the report includes a series of preliminary recommendations uh, for California encouraging the state to create an office of freedmen, um, create an office of uh, uh, freedmen cultural affairs to compensate uh, individuals who have been deprived of rightful profits uh, for their creative work and to prevent the further discrimination in arts and entertainment industries through a series of policies and legislation, through a series of policies and legislation. Now, the report echoes decades. Um, the report echoes decades old arguments 
that legal scholars, activists, and artists themselves have made regarding longstanding structural problems of equal compensation in the music industry. Quote, federal and state governments allowed white Americans to steal black American art and culture with impunity. Federal and state governments allowed white Americans to steal black American art and culture with impunity. The report states depriving black creators of valuable copyright and patent protections. Now, uh, the, it goes on to say, uh, Camila Moore tells Rolling Stone, uh, quote, what I like about, about this report, what I like about this report, and particularly the chapter about African-American creative, cultural, and intellectual life, is that not only does it catalog the harms against the African-American community from the transatlantic slave trade to the present, but it also talks about the vast contributions of the African-American community in spite or despite those ongoing harms, oppression, and genocidal tactics. Quote, reparations is about honoring those contributions and making up for the harms. So reparations, uh, end quote, so reparations is dealing with repairing the damage of something that was done repairing the damage of something that was done, making you whole again, okay? One of the many scholars, one of the many dozens of scholars whose work is cited in the report is law professor Kevin Green, who provided testimony to the task force last year in 2021. Um, Kevin Green said, one thing that people object to with reparations is the idea that my ancestors were slaveholders. I had nothing to do with this, okay? This is the argument you hear. My ancestors may have owned slaves. That has nothing to do with me. Or my ancestors came here from Italy or Germany. They didn't own slaves, okay? Now, Kevin Green told uh, uh, Rolling Stone, uh, quote, in the music space, that is a harder argument to make because it's an ongoing harm rather than an ancient harm. It's an ongoing harm rather than an ancient harm uh, because copyright terms are so long, a lot of these works that have never been properly credited to their originators are still valuable. They're still generating income. So then they talk about Arthur Crudup, C-R-U-D-U-P. Arthur Crudup, uh, the report points to artists like Arthur Crudup, the black Mississippi blues artist who tried largely unsuccessfully to seek royalties for widely covered compositions like That's All Right, Mama, in, in the rock era. As they, they cite examples like Arthur Crudup as the, the uh, demonstrative of this dynamic, okay, that the harm is not ancient, the harm is ongoing. While Elvis Presley cited Arthur Crudup as a key influence on his work and repeatedly expressed his respect for the older musician, the report notes that uh, Arthur Crudup, quote, was paid so little for his recordings that he had to work as a laborer selling sweet potatoes. 
Arthur Crudup was paid, who was a big influence on Elvis Presley, was paid so little for his recordings that he had to work as a laborer selling sweet potatoes. The original, quote, the original song creators whose work Elvis Presley appropriated were not even paid for the use of their music. Okay, so read the rest of this article here from uh, rollingstone.com. California's reparations task force takes on the historic theft of black art and culture. So this is an important topic during June, which is Black Music Month. And a lot of these people we celebrate got ripped off by white people who own these companies. Okay. All right. Now, lastly, um, the, we talked, we, we talked about Patrick Leoa here, uh, here on the show. And we know that the officer who, um, uh, shot him in the back of the head, that the officer has been indicted on second degree murder charges. I want to go to this clip here from NBC news now here in just a second. And also there was a good article from the Detroit free press on this as well. And also one from NBC news.com. Uh, also, uh, if we look at this here from the Detroit free press, Christopher Schur, S-H-U-R-R. -R. Christopher Schur charged with second-degree murder and shooting of Patrick Leoa. All right. From uh, NBC News dealing with this story. Where is it here? Okay, hold on. I'm out of Michigan. Prosecutors are charging a Grand Rapids police officer. Following more breaking news, this time out of Michigan, prosecutors are charging a Grand Rapids police officer with murder in the shooting death of 26-year-old Patrick Leoya during a traffic stop back in April. We want to get right to NBC News correspondent Kathy Park in Grand Rapids for us today. Uh, Kathy, walk us through what we just learned about this charge. Yeah. Hey there, Aaron. So we just got uh, the charging decision from the Kent County prosecutor moments ago, and he said that he is charging the officer in this deadly shooting with one count of second degree murder. Officer Schur has turned himself in and his arraignment will be sometime tomorrow. Uh, Aaron, we should note that this incident took place in early April, so there has certainly been mounting pressure from the prosecutor to come out with this decision today. And even up until three o'clock when this uh, press conference happened, we didn't really have any sort of indication of, of how uh, the prosecutor would, would decide. Uh, he also noted that he sent a letter to Leoya's family in Swahili. Um, it, it looks like they are still processing the information right now. Uh, the prosecutor also extended his condolences as well. But this is something that has been uh, top of mind in this community for, for quite some time, ever since the incident played out on April 4th. Several angles uh, of the incident were released 
police after uh, mounting pressure from uh, community leaders and also activists in the area as well. There were protests. Uh, they wanted accountability for the officer, Officer Schur, who was placed on administrative leave, uh, but also stripped of his law enforcement powers. But as of now, he has turned himself in and will be monitoring his arraignment sometime tomorrow, Aaron. You know, Kathy, you mentioned it there. The police video shows the officer uh, and Leoya struggling with one another on the ground there before the gun went off. Is there any more clarity about what happened uh, as it relates to that video? So that, that is something that is uh, being sealed now. Yeah. Michigan State Police launched the investigation. They handed all that information over to the Kent County Prosecutor uh, Christopher Becker, who is uh, overseeing this case, said he had about eight days to review that information. And, and we kind of pressed him on, on how we came to this conclusion. And, and he said right now, uh, because it's still something that is still very sensitive, um, he didn't elaborate so much. But based on what we saw, based on all the footage that was released amid mounting pressure from uh, members of the community, we did, we did see at one point uh, when Leoya is reaching for the, the taser and then uh, another uh, struggle ensued. And then, of course, that fatal shot uh, to the head. But obviously, uh, a, a very difficult day for the family as well. Still, still grieving uh, the loss of their son, Aaron. Kathy Park for us in Grand Rapids today. Kathy, thank you. All right. So that's from uh, NBC News. Okay. And let me close this out here. Okay. So that's from uh, NBC News. And that is, let me get the date on that. That is from uh, June 9th. That's from Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Check out this article here from uh, NBCnews.com. Michigan officer charged with murder and fatal shooting of Patrick, Leo Patrick Leoa. Prosecutor announces. Officer Christopher Schur, who fatally shot Leoa in Grand Rapids during a traffic stop in April will be charged with one count of second degree murder. So check out this article here. All right. Okay, look, that's going to do it for us. Um, if you'd like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the EHN show. This helps us keep doing the research and stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. Be sure to register for the online history classes that I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, we have the information at our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. On Saturdays, it is... Um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And on Sundays, it's from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And, uh, okay, so we got this right here. So we have the information here, as well as uh, you can uh, order 
uh, some of my DVD lectures also. We have some lectures in digital download format as well. And this is easier to navigate. This shows up on your smartphone uh, much easier also. And uh, you can order right from uh, your smartphone as well. So I've been working on this um, past three days. And I'm going to pull this up here so you can see what this looks like. Uh, okay, so we have uh, the lectures here and the online classes also. 